Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Good morning. How are we doing today? Good. Well, my name is Will Kendos. I get the pleasure of being one of the pastors here at Asbury. And just as our video suggests, we are in a sermon series called Stories Jesus Told. And we are looking specifically at parables. Uh, and what Jesus did is he would oftentimes tell these parables so that it was easier to understand the concepts that he was conveying about who God is, God's love, and the kingdom of God. So as we looked at a little bit last week, as Pastor Chris launched us into this, uh, we broke down what the word parable means. And the word parable <clears throat> is the English word parable. It's a transliteration of the Greek word parabola, which means to cast alongside. So often what oftentimes Jesus would do is he would say, it's like this, and it would help us to make that connection, almost like an analogy to make it a little bit easier for us to understand. And as we learn, these stories are formational. A lot of the times, many of us can maybe remember specific times in our lives when we heard about these stories and how they were significant to us, maybe even helped us in our own Christian walk and faith. And when Pastor Chris asked me, he asked, what, you know, what parable do you want to do? And I immediately said, I wanted to do the parable of the sower. And we're going to talk about that today, because oftentimes Jesus was around people who farmed. Farming was a very popular thing back then. Do we have any farmers here? No? Okay, a little bit? We got a couple? Okay. I'm not so much of a farmer. I had a really good farm on Farmville, the, the Facebook game. Uh, I, I produced many crop. It was, it was very nice, uh, and then I kind of forgot about it, and thus it no longer exists. But yeah, we kill every plant that comes into our house for the most part. Um, you know, we try to start it from scratch. It doesn't really work. We buy it from Lowe's. still doesn't really work. Um, so yeah, farming is not exactly a good thing in my life. But Jesus talked to people who were farmers, and they were good at it too. So this is the story we're going to look at today talking about the parable of the sower, but to weigh, uh, take us into this, I want to share a story about a hiker named Jane. Now, how about hikers? Do we have any hikers here? Okay. Yeah. I found myself to become a little bit more of a hiker when I was up at Divinity School. Now, oftentimes, and Chris knows this, uh, you know, Pastor Barbara knows this, and, and even any of you all who went into, you know, just study sometimes, you just get so thick into these readings. You're just like, I just got to step away. I got to put the books down. I got to put the computer down, and I just need to get into nature. So I found it to be a very life-giving thing for me. Well, Jane is someone in the similar sense who this was who she was. This was her hobby. She was very good at it. Uh, she was very experienced, had hiked many times. And she stares a specific time where she hiked in the Rocky Mountains, and it was just her favorite hike. It was just beautiful. Here's an example of maybe something that she saw. This isn't a specific picture of hers, but just to give reference, you know, you can see the lake in the background, the water, the sprawling landscapes, the mountains, just gorgeous. 
Well, then she talks about a time when she went back to the same trail, but she went in with a friend, a friend named Sarah. Now, Sarah was newer to hiking. Uh, she wasn't brand new, but newer. And she goes into this hike, and she gets to the same spot where she just remembers, this is it. This is the peak of the hike. And just then, it seemed a fog had set in. And no longer could you see for miles and miles, but now you were limited to only seeing 10 or 20 or 30 feet in front of you. That'd be pretty disappointing, right? I would be pretty disappointed. But what she recollects is that instead of the disappointment lingering, she saw things around her that she didn't normally see. When previously she was looking at the things that were far away, she was able to see the things that were up close. You know, the landscape that was just beneath her feet, the flowers that were along the trail that she looked past. And also, she noticed this trail from her friend Sarah's eyes. She was sharing this experience with someone else who had these fresh eyes, who just loved the experience. So she had a whole different perspective on this, even though different, still much life-giving as the previous time. And I remember for me, this story of the parable of the sower is the same way. Maybe you have a similar parable or story that resonates in the same way. But I know for me, this is one of those stories that it seems that every time I read it, there's some new perspective that opens up for me, that gets unlocked, that adds new meaning and fresh life to it. So we're going to go ahead, we're going to dive right in, talking about it, and we're going to pull this apart to see some of the different parts that are offered, but then maybe even some other perspectives that we can look at it. This is Matthew 13. <clears throat> we're going to read verses 1 through 9. And just a quick note, this is one of the few parables where Jesus offers an explanation of it, but it's also one of the few parables that we find in the three Gospels where we find the parables of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John not containing the parables as we know it. So it says this, this is verse 1, it says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. To this we say, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks to be in this space to be here for these stories that you told us, for these parables, for the different perspectives they offer to us. God, that in each stage of life may be a fresh new perspective, giving meaning and giving new depth to our faith. God, be with us this morning for all of those who have ears. Let them hear. Let them hear your glory in your word. And God, may you use me as a preacher to proclaim your glory, and if necessary, move me aside. 
so that your glory can be proclaimed above all else. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we have these four different environments for the seed that we see in the story. We see the footpath, we have the rocks, we have the thorns, and we have the fertile soil. But what is the seed? What is it that is being spread that sprouts out? It is the teachings of Christ. It is the word of God. It is the spirit moving within us, taking life, germinating, growing up, sprouting up, and as Jesus says, produces a crop 30, 60, and 100-fold. But as Jesus tells us this, he gives us these four different environments of the different ways in which people, the four different people, hear and understand, or maybe even lack of understand, the word of God. So we're going to pull those apart, looking at the first one, which is the footpath, which is a lack of understanding. Now, there could be many reasons there is a lack of understandings. First thing is that it could be that the hearer is just too young. They may just be concepts that are too broad or big for them to grasp. You know, as a father of a six-month-old and a three-year-old, we understand that there are some of these concepts that they're just not going to grasp. Abstract just doesn't exist for them. They need concrete. They need what they can see in front of them. It could just be that this lack of understanding was just unnoticed. Maybe it was something that happened that they just weren't even fully aware of. And as Jesus says, a bird came and snatched it up before it even germinated. This could be because someone is calloused. It could be that they're shut down to hearing it. It could be that they're broken and just not wanting it to be let in. It could be that they're so hurried through life that oftentimes there's no chance for it to take root and sprout up. Whatever it is, it's still a lack of understanding. And it could even be an intelligence barrier. It could be that what reason kind of takes the place of it, if it doesn't meet those requirements, there's no way it's going to exist, right? Oftentimes we see over history how this battle of science and faith can never coexist and are always fighting with one another. Oftentimes people on the faith saying, well, it has to be this. Science can't be a part of it. Or people on the scientific academic side, well, if we, we have to be able to explain it. And this is what it is. So there is no room for this faith. I, for one, believe that they can exist. They can work together, science and faith. But we even see in the Bible how lack of understanding is because of this intelligence barrier. We see that right after the resurrection, when the women at the tomb were not to be believed. It says this in Luke 24, verses 10 and 11. It says, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. Right here, we have this situation where they said, hey, this is what we saw. But for them, it didn't make sense in their logic and their reason, so they just dismissed it as being false. Or this lack of understanding could just be an outright choice. This is maybe someone who's been burned by the church, someone feeling like they don't want to let their guard down, feeling like if they do, they know that they're going to get hurt. It could also just be a choice to not believe because a choice to believe may be a choice to change. And they're not ready for that. Once they hear it, they know 
that God is going to move within them, and they may just not be ready for it. So this footpath is a lack of understanding, and it doesn't take root. The next one is the rocks. This is short-lived enthusiasm. This is the fads that come and go just as quick as they came. Y'all remember seven-minute abs? Yeah? And then it was like six-minute abs, and then five-minute abs, like every time it got a little bit shorter. Well, these are these fads, you know, that pop up. You know, a lot of times we have these diets that come about, or maybe we have this new trend, this clothing trend. I've bought into very many of them. I had Jinkos when I was younger. Thank God that they went out of style. They were bad, I know. But these little fads that pop up, you know, like our faith, it sprouts right up, but just as quick, it's gone. You know, the person where you see them, you know, they are enthusiastic about their faith. They are to the moon and back about it. But then you see them a couple weeks later when the things get tough, and it seems like it's right out the window again. It was short-lived. It was pretty quick. But it didn't really take hold. And as Jesus says, as the sun came, it dries it out, dried it out, and it withers, and it dies. And this also could be a place of hurt, maybe not so calloused like the footpath, but someone maybe in personal loneliness who just recently went through a difficult season, just grasping for straws, trying to grab onto something. But maybe once they kind of figure things out, the faith is right back out the window, back to where they started. So that is the rocks, the short-lived enthusiasm that comes just as quick as it goes. And then we have the thorns. This is faith, but the faith that is crowded out. As one scholar put it, he said, this is the most dangerous place to be because this is the soil that holds great promise. Because the thorns are alive too. There's growth there with the thorns as well, right? They're not dead. They're not you know, non-existent. They're there. There is life that is growing, but oftentimes this is life that crowds out the faith. And in Jesus, when he talks about it, he says these are the promises or the riches of the world. A lot of times we immediately can think of, okay, well, yeah, it's talking about financial wealth. Yeah, it's talking about things like that. But when we look at the word, the Greek word being plautos can mean abundance. Paul talks about that in Ephesians 1.7. He says, in him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, the riches of his grace. And this is the NRSV. I use this because it specifically uses that word. Now, Paul's not necessarily saying, you know, the, you know, the dollars of his grace. No, he's saying the abundance, the magnitude so it's the promise of the world, the promises of the world, the abundance. This could mean things like financial stability, but it could also mean safety. It could be good things. It could be that job you were really hoping for. It could be that relationship you were dying to have. It could be that family you so desperately wanted. These aren't bad things. But I think what Jesus is offering is that the priorities end up getting shifted and these things become our God. These things become what crowds out our need for God. But when those things go away, what are we left with? The plan has been choked out. We're left with nothing 
So in this thorn where there is fertile soil in a sense, there are other things that are springing up and crowding out and choking out our faith. And then that brings us to our last, the fertile soil where life springs up. This is when the kingdom of God dwells within us. This is when our soul is in a healthy place. This is where God's sanctifying grace, as we say, we have provenient grace, we have justifying grace, and then we have sanctifying grace, the grace that purifies us, makes us more and more like Christ. This is when this is at work. This is when the roots go deep. As the psalmist writes, we are plant, tree planted next to the riverbed, receiving nourishment, with able to withstand the strong winds that may come, the blistering sun that comes out. This is when we are producing fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold, when life is growing up all around us. This is the fertile soil. And when Jesus offers this, maybe we look at this to say, these are these four different people that we see. We have the footpath, the rocks, the thorns, and the fertile soil. I remember this story mainly when I went to college. It was the day, the second day I was there. A lot of you may know I went to Palm Beach Atlantic University, home of the Fighting Sailfish. <laughs> and um, it's a small private Christian college. And I remember when I was looking at schools, I remember I had a bunch of different factors going into. It's a big life decision, obviously. But I had applied at Florida State, where my brother was attending. He had a house there. Um, I would have just moved right in. I probably would have just met his friend group and then formed my own. It would have been easy. There was also UCF that I applied to. Half my high school was going to UCF. And so I was like, I would have known people left and right. It would have been, again, easy. And I want to say a quick note. I wasn't aware of the ministries, the wonderful life-changing ministries that take place there, like Central Florida Wesley, but then also Wesley up in Tallahassee. These are fantastic ministries. I had no clue about them. So for me, I'm looking at these schools thinking, I don't want to go to school and lose my faith. I don't want to be the one where my faith withers and dries up and is dead. So I chose PBA. Well, PBA did a great job welcoming you. They had different events, social events, different things like that. But it kind of felt like youth camp. And I thought, I love youth camp, but I don't know if I want to go to youth camp for four years straight. I had the record at Suntry for going to youth camp 17 years in a row at Suntry. I love camp, but I thought, I don't know if I want to do this. And I remember just being upset and thinking, I made a, I made a, I made a bad mistake. And what do you do when you make a mistake? You call mama. So I called my mom. And I remember basically in tears, it was that first morning, you know, after our first night's sleep there, everybody else is still asleep. I said, Mom, I think I made a mistake. It's neat. I like my roommate. I like my friends, you know, a couple people I met, but I just, I don't know if this is for me. And she said, Will, I hear you. And if you choose to leave, I'll support you in whatever you do. 
But in my devotional today, God put the story on my heart. It's the parable of the sower. And she said, I talked about, and she shared this with me. She said, you know, I looked through the different soils. And she said, I think for you, I think you would flourish wherever you went. But she said, I wonder, would these other locations be rocks? Or would it be the thorns? Because you would grow, you would experience a lot of growth, probably thorns, but it would choke out that faith. She said, I don't know if you're ever going to have any thorns at PBA, you probably will, but I think where you are is fertile soil. I think that location, that place, those people who surround you are going to build you up and you're going to produce life and fruit there. And she was right. I'm sure I probably would have had a great life, and who knows where I'd be if I would have went to Florida State or to UCF, but I know what I did choose, and I believe that was fertile soil. These different soils were different environments that we can find ourselves in. But going back to the opening story of Jane the hiker, thinking about her going through this trail, maybe a new time with a different setting, Yes, but still the same trail, maybe a different perspective with someone with her, slowing down, looking at it a new way. What if this change in perspective saw these different soils, maybe not as different people, or the soils as different environments, but what if the soils are us, as I tackily created the name Seed Sons of our own life? What if the soils are different seasons that we go through, ranging from footpath to rocks to thorns to fertile soil? No promise that once we get to this fertile soil, we're going to stay there forever. But the seasons of life shifting us to and fro, maybe in healthy states, maybe in states where we're grasping at straws ourselves. What if we all live out those different soils? You know, I think about the footpath. Again, going 90 miles an hour, trying to get everything done, so hard and callous from life, not seeing God work around us. Or maybe in our own season where we're in the rocks, where things are a little bit more tough, and we kind of quickly, like, I'm going through this tough time. Okay, I'll read my Bible a little bit more. But then kind of quickly abandoning those routine, that time with God, once things kind of get figured out. Or maybe we're in the season of thorns where we're trying to get something going and let, let, let me just get this going. And then, you know, and then I'll put God back as a priority. Or what if we are in that moment of fertile soil? What are those things we're doing to hold on to that healthy soil to continue that growth that happens there? The good news is, I think for all of us, is that our soil can change, even in a moment's notice. Highly sensitive, one moment or just a moment before we were the calloused footpath. I think for us, we need to remember that when loving others, wherever they may be, and we need to remember that when loving ourselves. You know, I mentioned earlier about this lack of understanding that happens with the footpath. 
You know, one of that might be young age. Well, I think about with Liam. Does Liam fully understand all that I say to him? No, but he'll get there. When I put his shoes on, I say, right foot, right foot. Give me your right foot, and I grab his right foot. Does he know which one the right foot is? No, but he'll get there. Last night, when I prayed with them before bed, you know, we kind of do a little bit of a call and response prayer. I'll say, repeat after me. I'll say, dear God. He'll say, dear God. I'll say, watch over us. Watch over us. And then I really, really emphasize this part. I say, please, let us sleep really good tonight. Stay in our bed all night in a deep sleep for eight solid hours, not waking up and no accidents. Yeah. No, help us to have a good night's sleep. We love you so much. We know you love us. Amen. Does he fully get that? Probably not. But I never know. I'm not going to discount that just because he may not grasp that. And that's the same for us. We may never know when a person is a moment away from having fertile soil for the kingdom of God to take root in their life. There's a story. His name is Leslie Weatherhead. He's theologian, pastor in London, lived in the early 19th century, and he talks about a time when he was riding horseback, running some type of errand, he doesn't specify, in Mesopotamia, which is, you know, modern-day Middle East. And he talks about in World War I, when he was riding through, just riding through camps, and he gets to this one, he said he'd been riding for days. He didn't know what day it was. He didn't know what time it was. He didn't know any of this stuff. He said, but he rode into this camp, and there's a YMCA tent, and there was a service going on. And he talks about how he experienced not even knowing anything, not knowing the pastor's name. My name's Will, by the way. Not knowing the pastor's name, but knowing that God was there. He says this, I was tired and hot and dusty, but though I can't even remember the name of the preacher, I knew that Christ had forgiven my sins, that he was there and that he loved me. God doesn't give up on us. The seeds are constantly being scattered and we can't give up on ourselves or others. Because as one writer wrote, that uninterested, distracted, or unresponsive person may be near the kingdom that we or they realize. And there's an abundance of seeds. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God, we give you thanks. For your love and for your grace. That is so constantly scattered all around us so that we may know your love. God, and I pray that wherever we may find ourselves, whether it is on the footpath, dried up, hardened, even broken, or in the rocks, quickly grasping for something, anything, or in the thorns where life is happening, but as being crowded out. May we find ourselves in that fertile soil, longing to be there so that life can sprout up. And fruit, the abundance of your love, joy, and the wonderful things that come with knowing you may come 
a 30, 60, or a hundredfold. We give you thanks. Amen.